0: Two Dead Girls in Jubilee contains material that may be upsetting to some audiences, including sudden loud noises, adult language, and depictions of murder and suicide. For more information, please find us on Instagram at Two dead Girls Pod. That's the number two Dead Girls Pod. I feel
1: like an alien in this much makeup. I only go out like this for weddings and funerals. And as I examine my face in the car mirror, it occurs to me that I have precisely no idea what I'm doing. Not with my makeup, I think that's fairly obvious. I mean, why I'm parked on the shoulder at all. Maybe it's time to admit I'm not checking my makeup. I'm just trying not to get where I'm going. There's a playground off to the right. Empty sun-baked swings. Chains tugging against corroded grommets. As I stare at the windshield, I feel the pressing weight of recognition sink into my chest. I know this place. I wouldn't have stopped if I'd been paying attention. A path cuts down through the wildflowers. Parallels a creek that drains to a nearby limestone quarry. It arrives at the feet of the two stone girls joined hand in hand. Twenty bitter Hoosier winters have worn their features smooth, but I remember what they looked like. I remember everything about them. On the left is Jessica Kaplan a second grader who loved Arthur Ardvark and wanted to be an astronaut. Jessie, who, at 4.34 in the afternoon on August 8th, 1997, was found floating face down in the Old Town quarry. I remember this, that she wasn't face up, because the newspaper deemed it God's small mercy that the position of the body spared Jessie's mother the sight of her daughter's posthumous disfigurement. You see, an unknown killer had strangled the girl removed her pants, and tossed her from the rocky cliffs above. But poor Jesse only reached water on the bounce. On the right, a half-step ahead, is Annabelle Abernathy, a seven-year-old who played the Virgin Mary in the Christmas pageant, who won the first grade spelling bee. whose favorite food was ice cream cake. Sweet Annie. Who disappeared in a rainstorm and was choked to death with a nylon rope whose lifeless, half-naked remains were fished from the same Old Town quarry on July 20th, 1997. Three weeks before Jesse. Three weeks before the people of Jubilee, Indiana realized their community had become a hunting ground. Both autopsies cited an absence of penetrative trauma, but nothing was more tailor-made for Dateline news than Annie's missing polka dot tights So I guess it's not surprising that jubiliners lined up to tell reporters how Annabelle biked down Main Street in those tights, or how she'd refused to take them off for the Christmas pageant. I wasn't sure if they were idiots or liars. My ma said maybe both. In an unsolved murder, the bereaved hang desperately to the few things they know for sure. And what I knew for sure was that the tights weren't Annabelle's. She hadn't biked in them, she hadn't hopscotched in them, and she wouldn't have been abducted, murdered, and who knows maybe worse in them, except I grew three inches in the spring of 1997, and Ma passed them down to Annie. You see, I don't stop here. On the rare occasion I return to Jubilee because Annabelle... She was my little sister. Time to go. I only go out like this for weddings and funerals, and I'm not on my way to a wedding.
2: Top Story, A Deadly Storm, A Missing Girl, and in Jubilene, Indiana, A Homicide Investigation. Annabelle was this beautiful, innocent little girl. Well, beautiful is a stretch. Hang, hang on, are you recording this? This is a safe neighborhood, a safe town, and, and tonight we're all a little safer because Sheriff Donnelly has the suspect in custody. We're learning a second girl, Jessica Kaplan, has been found dead in Jubilene.
0: <laughs> Do you plan to make an apology?
2: We acted on the information available. I'm not going to apologize for that.
3: It's conspiracy. That's what I say. Goddamn conspiracy. 33% of murders in this country are
1: never solved. Any reasonable person can see them. This here's a
3: small town.
1: Them girls was killed
0: by a grass cut and him seeing a jubilator. That's why he ain't been stopped. You know, the murder of Jesse Kaplan could have been stopped. Except
1: nobody cared about it, Annie. Nobody did nothing until a second girl died. This is Two Dead Girls in Jubilene. Chapter One, Into the Hay Baler. Coming south from Terre Haute, my father used to say that you exit for Jubilene as soon as you stop smelling shit. But the truth is, Terre Haute doesn't smell anymore. Hasn't for years. And so it's all the easier to miss Jubilee. the two-stoplight seat of a tiny county with a hundredfold more hickory trees than people. If you ask most folks here, they'd say that's the way they like it. If you manage not to miss it, Pa's exit will take you east, past town, past the statue garden, and the fences of the long-closed quarry until at last, everything gives way to the rolling cornfields of century-old farmsteads. A driveway reaches up towards a narrow, white, two-story house on a hill. It looks, this time of year, like a bony finger testing the wind. I used to tear up that driveway on my six-speed bike. A boy bike, Ma said, because I'd hacked off the handlebar streamers to improve the aerodynamics. I'd dump it carelessly beside the flower bed, and I'd bound up the creaky porch steps and throw open the screen door. And if Ma was out and Pa, then I'd tug a red lanyard over my head, a silver house key twinkling at its end, and I'd throw open the door as if this place belonged to me. Or I belonged to it. But today, I park by the mailbox because the driveway is choked with the cars of well-wishers. And I tiptoe up the porch steps. And the door I've flung open a thousand times seems like the door of a stranger's house. Or worse, a gaping portal trying to suck me back into the past. I sense, as I linger here, the eyes of a man beyond the corn. Perhaps an old jubiliner, shaggy black overcoat pulled up to his ears, too far off to recognize... Or perhaps the angel of death, surveying the fruits of his labor. Whoever he is, he tips his cap as I retreat from the door. The red lanyard and silver key are long gone. And even though the door is unlocked, I can't convince myself that I belong. Hey, Berto. Are you inside?
3: You sound like you're in a tunnel.
1: That's Berto. We work at a nonprofit in Chicago. He likes to say if it weren't for the recession he'd be doing the Times crossword on a beach in Argentina. But people like that don't give up engineering careers to make pennies in nonprofit data analysis. Actually, I'm I'm hiding in a bush. Okay. I went around to the kitchen window to get an idea of what I was up against. Everyone brought a casserole.
3: If you're planning on staying in that bush until Postmates starts delivering casserole... Did you
1: call for something specific? You know, there aren't any pictures in your cubicle. I... I don't like clutter.
2: Neither do I. But I keep a few pictures. Gabriela and the nephew. Don't you
1: have anything else to do? Sorry, I... I don't... I mostly keep to myself. You know?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I know.
1: I'm okay. I promise.
3: Just hiding in a bush?
1: Well, I'm not going to pretend that I've totally processed it. Nobody is ready to hear that somebody's just scraped what's left of your father out of the business end of a hay baler. Myra. We weren't close, Berto. At least we haven't been in a long time. I'm here to make sense of an accident and bury a stranger. And hope the past doesn't chase me any further than that.
3: With all due respect, I think the only way to stop that is to stop running.
1: Easy for you to say. All right. You win. When Annabelle died, I learned a lot about the way people process grief. Not their own grief. That's an ancient mystery. I mean, how they process someone else's. There's Mrs. Newsome, my piano teacher. People that old don't shrink from death. She squeezes my shoulder lightly. This will pass, she's saying. If you're around long enough, everything does. Denton McDougal dodges my eyes, like he did in sixth grade English a thousand years ago. Introverts have to work harder to express grief. One must repeat, what a tragedy, what a tragedy, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. Hot bellied Tim Jenkins is giddy. I'm not the dead one. That's all some people can think at these things. And who can blame them? I'm thinking it, and the dead one is my dad. There is no more avoiding the moment I've been dreading. No more stops to check my makeup. No more bushes and kitchen windows. There is only me, and the parting crowd, and the coffin. And there beside it, in a straight black dress and a solemn black hat, Brenda Abernathy. Myra. What do you say? After a dead sister and the awful fallout? After moving away? What do you say after a decade of missed holidays? After phone calls so bad, the phone stops ringing. What do you say after a hay baler? Hey, Ma.
2: I'd like you to do something for your father. Okay. Somebody needs to say a few words. It's the Christian thing. Uh, I don't think... I him anymore? believe all these casseroles. Knew him. I barely knew you him. not get a tenth this many casseroles at Annabelle's wake.
1: No.
2: He never wanted a funeral, you know. No flowers, no bagpipes, no ministers. He'd die all over again if he saw some of the hypocrites out there crying over his cough. At least he'd approve of the casseroles. All I'm asking is a few words.
1: I don't know what I'd say.
2: Isn't your entire job dealing with tragedy?
1: I can't do it, Ma. I... I won't do it. This is this about Annie's 20th? That
2: stupid memorial telephone. No. It's been four years ago, Myra. I said it's you not... You know he never would have even been in front of those cameras if you had Sure,
1: but that doesn't excuse me. Myra! He... Your father is
2: dead and dismembered. That accident, I I can't make any sense of that. Now, regardless of your personal feelings about the man, you have an obligation. You are his only living daughter. Someday you're gonna be the only thing left of him.
1: Did he suffer?
2: All his life.
1: and I want to thank you all for being here to celebrate the life of Edward Joseph Abernathy. Pa was born in Shreveport to Air Force parents. He bought this farm in 1985, and if you knew him for more than a week, then you'd heard him say that he'd seen enough states for one lifetime. He wanted a piece of dirt he could die on. Nice one, Pa. He made a life here, in Jubilee. He married Ma, he had me and Annabelle. He'd grown up in houses full of boys. I don't think he ever imagined himself as a father of daughters. But he tried. He adored Annie, in particular. And if there's any consolation in this accident, it's that he can finally be up there with her. Not down here with me. Okay, honey. Thank you. I used to beg him to teach me to throw a football, take me hunting. After I finished my homework, I'd go out to his workshop and I'd hold wrenches while he fixed farm equipment and ask him questions about the Air Force. That was how I got him to notice me. Annie was the perfect daughter. And I was a proxy for the son he never had. He would never say, happy birthday, or merry Christmas, or just... I'm proud of you. But I came to believe that workshop was our special secret place. He'd leave treasures there for me. Seashells he claimed he'd found in some Wabash tributary a thousand miles from the ocean. That's the closest I ever came to understanding him as a man who cared but didn't always have the words for it he was a deeply private enigmatic man and that made him hard to love hard to love and easy to blame what's your story pa you liked working with your hands he liked casseroles and country music and the color green But none of that makes the tombstone, does it? You all already know Pa's story. His whole story from beginning to end. Someone killed his baby daughter. And you all blamed him. And then he blamed me. After that, Pa, you locked yourself away. You shut the workshop door and threw away the key. The truth is, you are a stubborn bastard. Myra! A cold and distant father. And the hole in my heart, the place that hurts right now, that's the same place you've been missing since long before you fell in a hay baler. Or jumped, for all we know. Are you out of your mind? I should never have come here. Well... It's
2: a shame you didn't realize that until you finished your verbal one-finger salute to what's left of your father. Ma! You say he was stubborn, cold-hearted, distant? I say that makes two of you.
1: There's a little girl out there in the downpour. She's an inch taller than I remember. Or maybe it's just a trick of the rain, tugging her dress down around her like a cloak on a skeleton. In the statue park, she sports pigtails, like Easter Sunday. But today, her hair is just one long tangle of crimson. I wave. Is that you, Annabelle? Have you come to see Pa? Or me? Or both?
3: We're engaged in a battle of wills.
1: Um... Who's winning?
3: I don't know. But she's the one getting rained on. I probably seem like a terrible father. Maze! Maze, come on! I, I put it out, see? She's trying to get me to quit smoking. But I can't stop smelling that smell. Pulling poor old Ed out of the hay bale lip. I'd rather smell cigarettes.
1: You were here? Must have been awful.
3: Worse for Denzel McDougall. He was the first of my guys on the scene. And we figure Ed fell in mid morning trying to tighten a bolt. Same thing chewed on him so long it ran out of gas before anyone found him.
1: You're the new sheriff.
3: Liam. And the walking mop is my daughter Maisie. Maze, for short.
1: Maisie Shepard, P.I. Private investigator? Yep. I suppress relief as I greet Maisie. Fourth grade, I'd guess. A smidge older than the time-frozen memory of Annabelle. Do you know if the body's in the coffin?
3: Maze. Sorry. We've been out here for an hour because every time she gets near the living room, she goes for the lid.
1: It's okay. I've been wondering the same thing.
3: You, uh, know Ed well?
1: You really have been out here a while.
3: What's that mean?
1: I... I used to. Long time ago.
3: I figured. I haven't seen you around. Well, between you and me, I think his mind was slipping. Near the end, he would just end up in somebody's backyard, or... Up uh, at the uh, old quarry. No explanation for how he got there or why. I gave him my good mag light a few weeks back after I almost ran him over walking County 19 in the dead of night. He shouldn't have been anywhere near that hay bale.
1: He was always stubborn about fixing things himself.
3: Hmm. Uh, so I've been told.
1: Who'd you say you were? Myra Abernathy.
0: Nice. Did Dead. You? Duh.
3: Well, good. Very polite. We'll leave you alone, Miss Abernathy. Come on.
1: No shoulder squeeze. No, what a tragedy. No giddy survivor's guilt. The sheriff is the fourth type of mourner. He knows no words will change the facts. And it's the facts that hurt. Hey, sheriff.
3: Liam, please.
1: Liam. I think I know where to find that maglite. If you want it back. How long you been in Jubilee? Three years. Were you a cop before?
3: Yeah, Baltimore.
1: <laughs> Big difference?
3: I, I guess.
1: Why'd you move?
3: Long story. Short version? it's the same to you, I'd rather
1: not. Sorry. But you realize that makes you like a walking cliché, right? A city cop with a dark secret?
3: I promise it's much less exciting than that.
1: Not much further. No rush.
3: Can't get any wetter. Is there a light?
1: Pa's workshop. In my childhood, the shutters would hang open day and night. But after Annie, they were closed more and more often. For Pa, those shutters held out the world where Annie was dead. Now they hold in the world where he still lives. The musty smell of his old flannels The looming shadow of his workbench. In the dark, the past persists. What am I looking for out here? Certainly not a maglight. Although I'm glad not to be alone.
3: Wow. This place is a disaster. No offense. Is, uh, is it always like this?
1: No. Not even remotely.
3: Well, could have been animals. No tracks. Robbery? I don't think so. Wait. I thought I told you to stay in the house.
1: Is that... cash? Yeah, right here on the desk. Whoever did this... They were looking for something specific.
3: Myra, are you alright?
1: We need to move this.
3: The desk?
1: Yeah. Is that a problem?
3: Well, it is if this is a crime scene.
1: <sighs>
3: oh, come on, it's solid oak. It must weigh 500 pounds.
1: 250 each if you stop standing around.
3: Well, I'll stop standing around when you tell me what's going on. <clears throat>
1: When I was little, Pa would hide gifts for me out here in the workshop. Beneath a little trapdoor by the workbench. In a secret compartment.
3: The workbench is over there. Not
1: in 1996, it wasn't. I'll get this corner. On three. One. Two. Three. Like an old notebook. These rows. This must be everyone in Jubilee. And the columns.
3: August 8th, 1997. July 19th,
1: 1997. Jesse Kaplan. And my sister.
3: Your dad. He was charting alibis. He was looking for the Jubilee Child Killer.
1: There's something else. Maisie, can you fit your hand in there? What is it? It's... It's a cassette recorder.
3: it but i know i'm close because fact three fact three is he just tore this place apart he didn't find my notes thank god but he knows so i need you to listen to me myra even if you hate what you're about to
1: hear i'm standing. in the bag with the recorder is an empty tape case. A date is inked in permanent marker, 9-26-2019, a little less than two weeks ago. Above that, the original title of the album remains, Conway Twitty, who will pray for me. It'll be my birthday in 12 days. And I wonder if this final thing my father hid for me is a present or a curse. I wonder if the last thing he saw was the face of the person who killed my sister. I wonder if he really fell in a hay baler or if he was pushed. Are you all right? Yeah. Can we listen to the rest? Please. Shh. It's okay. I... I guess we have to.
0: of our home I've never wanted to know why you could never let go Two Dead Girls in Jubilee was written, directed, and produced by Ethan Wellen. It stars Emily Goss as Myra, Zachary Cantrell as Liam, Susan Harmon as Brenda, Michael McShane as Ed, Marcelo Tubert as Berto, Haley Kewen as Maisie, Original score by Kevin Hutchins. Associate producer, Emily Goss. Associate producer, Zachary Cantrell. One Eye Open was written and recorded by Andrea Perez and Peyton Widener.
2: I guess I've never wondered what you were for.
0: Thanks to Kat, Ron, The Evans, Monisha, Jack, David, and Tyler, without whom there could be no Jubilee. If you enjoyed listening, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, or tell a friend. For cast bios, episode transcripts, and more, find our little town on Instagram, at 2deadgirlspot. That's at the number 2 dead girls Pod. Thanks. Two Dead Girls in Jubilee is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to real events or to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.